Hey everyone, welcome to Tales of Recovery. This is your host, Gris Alves. And today, amazing treat for you is my guest, Miranda Bennett, who is a holy guardian of indigenous teachings, shamanic practitioner, a beautiful woman. And I am so excited to listen to her story and have you guys hear it alongside with me. I found Miranda, Boundless Warrior, is her Instagram handle. Mm -hmm. And I'm so very drawn to what you write, what you express, what you are teaching. Because as a Mexican woman, immigrant in the United States, very much oppressed by colonialism, uh, I've struggled with really, really wanting, I don't know how many percent, like 150 million thousand percent of what you have, you know? And I began doing women's circles after, you know, this whole like fighting with the dumb church and getting in trouble for make, for making open statements about how dumb I thought it was and fundamentalist. And, and so for years, I've been doing women's circles and ceremonies and I'm preparing a sweat lodge. But I struggle, Miranda, because the conditioning has been, especially in my family, which is a beautiful family, that that's not you know, that that's not something that, that we do, that that's not something as sacred as I know it to be. And so I'm really, of course, honored. I just think that's like an overused word. Just like, man, so freaking excited that you're here to tell us how you grew up. I know your mom was a Lakota. Um, and so, yeah, just... Thank you. Thank you for showing up here. Thank you for agreeing to talk to us about your life, your experience, and all of the love and beauty that you're sharing in the world. Mm, well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you and to be able to share with you. And like I said before, you know, bring and bridge our communities and um, come together in this as we embark in this um new era of uh, dismantling and yeah. dismantling these systems that have kept us in um, a space of, of um, control. Also, we have adopted these um, ideals of uh, colonialism in through generation and generation because of, um, because of a lot of the desecration and um, the taking of certain aspects of our spiritual, indigenous spirituality. And so it's an honor to be here and share with you. Um, yes, my mother is, and I am a Lakota, so Ogallala Lakota. And um, my mother is a holy woman. And what that means is that um, she has um, been gifted the uh, right to practice and see within the other worlds. And so um, I also have um, been gifted with that as well. Um, obviously, you know, she has been working within this medicine her whole entire life. And I, in our culture, we always are learning. So we're always, always understanding and, and bringing forth um, the medicine from our elders. So, um, so my, my experience has been, you know, being raised in the Lakota tradition. Uh, my father is um, Scandinavian and um, of Swedish descent and also Scottish. So um, I am of both worlds, if you will. I am the, the colonized and the colonizer in my blood. And I think many of us have, have understood that peace um, within our, um, within our existence and, and um, the programming within that. Right, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. So you were born in Colorado? I know that's yes, I, I was yeah. born in Colorado. Um, my mother, she was uh, born within the Rosebud Reservation. And um, mm -hmm. she was part of a system that was an adoption system that was about um, taking children from the reservation, um, uh, offering them, you know, a better life, offering them a better mm -hmm. home, quote unquote. Um, 
by uh, the Catholic Church where they would take the children away from the reservation and then bring them to different orphanages around the country. Um, so my mother was separated from her mother and um, released into the Catholic charities where then she was um, adopted by my grandmother. So my grandmother worked in the orphanage and then was, and she adopted my mother. And so my mother had to go through a big journey of, of living in, um, in that world, uh, being different, uh, being in the world of not knowing. And so when she was in her uh, 20s, she went back and found her, her birth mother, um, my grandmother and her, um, and rekindled all of the, um, her tribal connections, our tribal connections, and um, really did a lot of work in reestablishing that. So, so yeah, that she has been a victim of the colonialization firsthand. Why were they taking them? Because so a big part of it, especially you know, within, um, I would say, the last from the fifties to the sixties, they were um, implementing something that was um, not as as brutal as taking children away like they did within the Indian um, boarding school programs that were around the world from the 1800s to the 50s. They were doing it more of as a way of, okay, well, your life here on the reservation isn't good. So if you want your child to have a better life, then give up your child. And my um, grandmother, my biological grandmother had uh, many children and, um, as I'm sure many people know, the the um, the reservations were and are not a, um, a a wonderful place, if you will. So a lot of um, the mothers that were um, that were that were approached by these people within the church, in a sense, were manipulated to give up their children in order for their children to have a better life. So, so then my mother was um, part of that system. And um, it's, so it is a part of the uh, boarding school system that then became more of this religious programming where yeah. it was like a mission, a mission, mm. yeah. How did your mom make her way back? I mean, my blood is boiling, I'm so fucking pissed. I'm like, oh, that's it's, it was, um, I think she, the main thing is, is my grandmother, um, her adoptive mother made sure that she always was connected within mm-hmm. um, her, her knowing, at least. I mean, you think about the time frame, okay, the 50s and the 60s, yeah. you know, there was um, uh, still so much of the stigma going on, um, especially, you know, my grandmother being um, Roman Catholic, she was Italian, you know, my mother's adopted grandma, or mother. And then, um, you know, my my grandmother also left the church um, because she got a divorce. So then she was exiled or- uh, uh, Excommunicated or something. Yes, excommunicated from the church. And so she, she realized a lot of the wrong wrongdoings that had that she had been um, witness to that she worked in. So she made sure that she facilitated whatever she could for my mother. And then as my mother got into her college years, you know, she started to understand that, okay, there's a whole other world out there that I'm connected to and that I am. And so then she went back and, and started to, she found her birth mother, her, her siblings, um, and started that process. Cool. So when you were born, how were you raised? Like, did you, because you said you also had a Scandinavian father. Yes. Yes. So, you know, my mother and, and father really loved the outdoors. My mother brought in. So she, once she realized and when she went back and regrouped from um, 
in, in her twenties, then she um, reconnected with family, with elders, and she started on her journey within um, her, her work. Um, and if you will, her spiritual work or her path, um, her life path. So then um, my father was, was also very into the outdoors. He was very much, um, you know, I would say during that time, if you think about it, the seventies, it was like, everything was very different in the sense that, okay, well, we're just going to be lovers of the earth. We're just mm -hmm. going to, you know, yeah. um, carry on um, our traditions in, in that way. And so my father was very close within his traditions as well. But um, most of the work that he would do would be to help my mother. So, um, you know, he was separated as well from his traditions. And so um, I, I mainly was just working within what my mother was teaching me um, as a little girl. Um, soon they got divorced. And then I didn't see my father um, after that. So I was 13 and they got divorced. Um, it was a, um, that's a whole nother story, a messy divorce. <laughs> and, and so, um, so I was totally disconnected from him then, you know, in, in seeing him and the culture and everything. So I really um, was only absorbed in that, the teaching of the Lakota teachings. And so my mother, she would um, bring in ceremonies, her elders became our elders, um, really done. All of these amazing elders over time that really helped guide us. And my mother also um, had a spiritual center where she would connect um, all different elders of all different tribes, um, all different uh, people within spirituality together um, and bring in teachings and classes and help um, guide people to connect with elders as well. So I was, I was raised in it. I was raised in if you will, spirituality, or I was raised in ceremony. I was raised in all, all different types of ceremonies too, because of the fact that my mother brought in so many different elders. Yeah. That's so interesting. And so for example, could you tell us, uh, what is a typical day or a typical ceremony growing up? Well, you know, my mother really um, helped us to understand that spirit is in all things and that um, creator is within all that we do and all that we are. And so there is a reverence and there is uh, talking to all the plants and animals creator on a daily basis. And, um, you know, and in that, there was a nurturing of our gifts, uh, clairvoyant gifts. That, that's what it's labeled, right? I hate labels, but that's what people label it in within the colonial construct of the spirituality. But, um, you know, our psychic gifts, um, we all were able, and so is my mother, as is her mother and my grandmother, her biological mother and grandmother, um, we are able to see outside of the, the physical realm. So um, of course, that's always blessing and a curse, right? So <laughs> there's that, you know, there's challenges within both yeah. uh, that gift. So she helped nurture that. And it wasn't until I was in my teens that I realized um, there was something called religion, really. You know, it wasn't you know, I knew my grandmother had come from it. I knew, you know, that she had problems within religion, but I didn't, I didn't understand that because my mother was very solid in um, traditional teachings. It wasn't until high school where um, I did um, bring in a ceremony with, you know, some fellow teenagers and realized the intensity of it and the responsibility of it. And I, I actually did it without permission and um and it ended up being uh experience that people will would not forget so then i went back to school and then they were saying oh well miranda's a witch and all this stuff and all the because it was the unknown and then i understood what religion 
really meant and that people weren't raised like me and that people weren't mm. raised to honor the, their indigenous traditions. So, so it was a journey in that. And so then, you know, at that point I decided I just wanted to be quote unquote normal. You know, I didn't want to have the gifts and I didn't want to be different and I wanted to be able to fit in with everyone. So then I, embarked on a road of, you know, getting my education and getting my master's in business and opening up clothing stores. And, um, you know, and I had my son when I was 20. And so there was, there's a lot of challenges on the road within that, um, moved to Montana, opened up stores there, then moved to Los Angeles and opened up stores in that, in, and clothing lines in Los Angeles and did styling but there was always something missing and my gifts never left me. So being able to see beyond the veil, the 3d, if you will, I'm able to see the ancestors guides, all of those spirits, but also I can see the shadows, um, the darker entities. And so that was a big, um, a big part that I couldn't, I couldn't take that away. I couldn't ignore that. So the way I would numb that would be through addictions. And so I got into drinking and um, so also drugs and started to numb it. And when I was doing those things, when I was drinking, I could, um, it could all go away for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then it would get worse, obviously, if I drink too much, but you know, that those numb that I got addicted to the numbing. And I had a experience where um, I and uh, I was driving home to go see my mother from California back up to Colorado, and um, you know I ended up speeding and um, assaulting a police officer, and so I ended up going into the prison system, um, and so. Having that experience as well, um, I was able to see all these different women and all the struggles that they have gone through and everything that they had. Um, all of the, the colonial imprint, you know, of, of why they were there and um, yeah. decided that I needed to change my life. I needed to change and go back. It wasn't that easy though. I sunk back into deep depression and the addictions. And then I had a near death experience where my father came to me and, um, and said, you need to do the work that you're meant to do because he died when I was 22. Um, so in that experience, I was about to take my life and, um, I was under the water and, um, I saw him and I came up out of the water and, packed up my house and moved back to Colorado and established my connection again with all my elders, with all my work, um, going back to, from, from ground zero, building everything back up again. So, yeah. So I think that, you know, really is in a nutshell at the same time, being a single mom and um, yeah. trying to give my son the the best life that I dreamed of but it my life was stuck in materialism and ego within the fashion business trying to be normal trying not to to be different and then when I realized I couldn't run from that anymore that's when um, I really came back home to the medicine wow that's it's so interesting how Because you know, I'm in. I had a. I have a history of addiction and alcoholics and drugs. And I had when I turned 25 years old, I, I went and said, okay, that's it. I need to change my life. Um, I was medicating, but still feeling, no matter how much I used. But I, it's interesting how I. What you're you're speaking these words, and I'm thinking. It's not that it's in your DNA and that you're alcoholic because your parents are alcoholic. It's because of this culture i mean maybe that has something to do with it but the colonial imprint that you just mentioned like the trying to be of this world that they sell you and it's uh -huh. just shutting out 
what you know, your heart, your spirit. And so it's like this total programming that is so fucked up. Yeah, um, it, it really is. And it, it it's, it's really caused this generational um, programming that to be some somebody or to be in a program that doesn't belong to us, that, that doesn't need to be, that we need to prove ourselves in this materialistic and, um, you know, I, I mean, there isn't a better word with it, colonizing over each other, like yeah. rising off of the backs of others, you know, trying to get the top spot. And it's just this programming that's ingrained in the government, in religion, in all these aspects, and really taken us away from our uh, the nucleus of who we are and our, our bloodlines and also our, our deep medicines in that. Cause yes, it is, you know, we numb because we, we are different and that's been so deeply programmed in us to not have problems, to not be, to be, you know, the industrial worker, to not um, have anything different, to don't, not to be different, you know, to, to have wear the mask of what the colonial concept wants us to be. Yeah. And it's really suffocating. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> you know, you talk about a lot about sovereignty and the, the, the personal sovereignty and the collective sovereignty. So as you come back to um, to your mother, to your elders, right? To rekindle your true self, your traditions, your spirituality. How did that, if you could tell us, like, how did that process go? And then now, how, because I know you have these amazing programs and now you are teaching others about this self-sovereignty and collective sovereignty outside of colonialism. How did that process go? Like when you come back in recovery or... Um, I'm just interested in knowing and hearing how you began that new healing again. I think there was a couple of things that really um, were the basis of, of the remembering. And I, mm -hmm. it was remembering what my elders have and my mother had taught me before, but also to reclaim um, and really dismantle a lot of this programming, which is called like, in a sense, shadow work or, you know, within new age sectors, but it is in a sense of facing the darkness, facing the, the, the entities, the demons that you have um, accumulated, that you have had to stand strong against in the process. And so many of those ceremonies were initiations going back into these initiations that I had stepped away from uh, mm -hmm. long a while ago, you know, in my teens that I, I needed to catch up. So a big piece of it was discipline, but then there was also the process for me is I wanted to live one foot in both worlds. And I think that's what a lot of folks are doing, you know, or trying to do like, okay, well, here's my physical life. This is how I make, money this is how you know i won't tell anybody about my spiritual my spiritual world and then you know i'll step into my spiritual worlds and and my um my elders were very patient with me on that because um and that took the most time with to dismantle that programming of wanting to be in both worlds and then going into these um initiations these ceremonies where i really had to um get raw and go through a lot of the painful moments you know all of the moments of trauma again i had to relive it and restructure my my subconscious and my conscious programming through that and so that process um is not easy and that's you know there's an accumulation of shadow work that not only we've dealt with in our own trauma in our own life but also within our ancestors also within, you know, the records of past life experiences, if you want to go in there, um, we have a lot of, a lot of healing, a lot of dismantling to do. And so it doesn't, 
it's not a quick fix. And so that's what they were really patient with me about doing was unprogramming myself, I guess you would say. Yeah. So could you like, could you tell us what I'm interested in hearing? Like what would this initiation look like? So I've been doing so much. Oh my gosh. Therapy, retreats, tamascales, plant medicine, more therapy, now somatic, and now trauma-informed this and this and that. So, and I feel like I'm going to have to do that until I die. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying, I'm tasting life way more richly now than I have in the past, for sure. But I'm, you know, like, what is this? When you mentioned, well, I have to do an initiation. Like, what would that look like? Well, in many of the um, ceremonies, the coming of age ceremonies, and then also um, as you bring in more and more of these modalities, um, they are heavily protected and kept in um, a sacredness uh, protection within the mystery. But um, what I can share is that we have to go like in those spaces um, where it is painful. So, um, going through physical or um, mental, emotional, spiritual uncomfort to then get to the other side. So, you know, a couple of things that you mentioned within that, you know, the sweat lodge, Anipi's, um, you know, ceremonial pieces like that. Um, but then others that, that involve, you know, some uh, deep ritual and, and um, days and days worth of praying and dancing and singing and um, getting into these trance states. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you would go into these with a intention or with a purpose, and then you come out of it on the other side with more information from all of the council, from the ancestors, from creator from mother earth. And um, a lot of what my elders work in is not plant medicine. Um, They work in, we have the natural ability. We have the natural gift and the DMT inside of our brains that we can, we can open up these portals within ourselves. If we just go deep enough into these spaces as said is in the underworld or even into the upper world spaces to allow our um the constructs of the 3d not to keep our spirit held in in um decay if you will so um going through these ceremonies you are able to step out of this this material world and go into these other planes to gather information, to bring in healing for yourself and others. Yeah. Yeah. I love that word. Um, the decay, the spirit and decay. And it, and it's so clear how it's been. So there's so much fear, right. In the colonialized or in like, you know, and I'm speaking from Mexican, as a Mexican woman, like there's so much fear in going into these trances or into these ceremonies because I weigh, you know, what am I going to, that's from the devil or that's scary or that's, um, but it really, if we would be able to notice what's scarier, like how is your spirit? Because it really, that word that you mentioned, the decay is such a precise definition of what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why I see this huge craving, of course, in particular mine for years now, for years of, of our own magic, of our own capacity to get into these states of speaking and, and hearing things that are so beautiful and that they're, they're not really scary um, because right. we've been hacked, you know. Yeah. And I think that that is a big, big piece of the the whole reason why are we are all especially right now why everybody is searching to go back into that ceremony to find that ceremony again um Mm. because even within the religious ceremonies it's not the same it's not there's been so much of a deep programming in that and there are some very beautiful moments within within religion and in that ceremony because it is adapted from 
um, yeah. you know, indigenous and, um, if you will, what they called uh, pagan traditions. But also, um, if we think about this, we're all craving to go back to that center point. We're all craving to bring back our indigenous ceremonies. And um, what we've been brainwashed in thinking, especially within religion, is do not go into the darkness because the darkness is where the devil is. Do not go into the underworld or hell because that's where the evil is. Um, and so it doesn't, it's been this, and in every culture around the world, there's teachings about going into the depths, going into the darkness to then get out the other side to find the light. And, you know, that really just got totally desecrated within religion on all Abrahamic religions. It's yeah. like, do not even go into the darkness or else you will be evil or a sinner or, you know, part of the devil. And so I think that's a big reprogramming you know, and because of a lot of, um, I would say, earthbound magics or earthbound traditions, which use a lot of like banishing and spells and things like that, it has also clouded the vision. Because a lot of those techniques and a lot of those methods of earthbound magic um, were used in a way to also add to the ego and also add to the selfishness. If we go even further back and we really find the deep shamanic core to all of our traditions, wh wherever somebody comes from, there is that reverence to spirit in every animal and every plant in creator. And, and that's across the board. So it's, it's gonna, it takes work and it takes work to go back into those traditions to find the truth really of who we we are so what that also is about is is understanding that we we should hold our our indigenous traditions very sacred and learn everything we can about because they have been so so des desecrated but um also understanding what our gift is in the whole in, uh, in this modern world and how we're going to bring that out and how we can stand strong and sovereign in, in our own magic that we're bringing forward. Cause our magic may not be exactly, and I say magic, but I say our medicine in that sense may not be the same. Um, you know, we're all different and it may not be the same even as what we've been programmed to think in um, a, a tradition either. Yeah, I, I'm trying to find something that I read in one of your beautiful posts about that specifically about, um, because it's not like going into another religion, it's discovering, remembering, honoring the earth, but then also cultivating or, or again, probably remembering to your own gifts, right? So how, like if I want to go into one of your, if I was going to go into one of your retreats or one of your workshops, right? How would you explain? And I'm asking you this because for me, from my experience, right? Since I was very, very young, I had these very lucid dreams. I, had, I saw things. I knew what was going to happen. I was like uh, very in touch with very many things, but was also told like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Don't, don't do that. They would make fun of me, a lot of fun of me. And so I understand why the fear-based religions would rob these gifts of you because then you have power, right? And mm -hmm. then they can control you. Right. And, right. So how, so to cultivate, how did you go through cultivating your own and how to, um, how would you teach this or how would you, I suppose, offer hope? To whoever's listening that you can cultivate these gifts and that they're and that it's your birthright really yes it is it is our birthright and that's the thing we're all built um we all came in here with all these different gifts and because of labeling because of everything that's happened within the new age movement too we think it oh it has to be a certain way or this or that way also within religion, being told, no, that's bad, you're just, you're crazy, all of these things. 
and then getting into this space where we all have these abilities on, on huge levels. And it's just about figuring out where and how to utilize it for our personal medicine. So in that, it takes deprogramming. So traditionally, if you were born into, you know, and this goes for many traditions out there, if you were born into um, this gift, then you would be nurtured in that gift. You would be, we, you would be um, held by elders in that gift. You wouldn't think yourself crazy or you would be valued for the community in that. And that's the same thing within this is that, we have to be valued again, not, not told we're crazy, not told, you know, something's wrong with us or um, that we're different, but to really embrace that difference. Um, I think then it is about the going into the ancestral knowledge and figuring out where that ancestral line lies through all the many veins of our ancestors. Uh, but then a big piece of it within the intensives that I offer is deprogramming so shadow work yeah. going into all these these parts of us that have been um and the parts of our ancestors that have been programmed so when we're able to deprogram from the structure of control or the predatory force i call it <laughs> then we can then we can really start to see our worth and our gifts in a different light and be um, very aware of it, but also to be um, seen, to be seen by others in it and, um, and recognize that we don't have to live two separate worlds, that we don't have to be afraid anymore. That, and, and that's what I really help people to do is to bring that forth in their own way, bring forth their own indigenous ceremonies and teachings and then and go forward in reverence responsibility and discipline um and and that's the piece that can be the hardest you know because of because of our industrial era we have um even become used to being comfortable even those who have been colonized and desecrated have been in this space of oh well it should be easy Who's going to do it for me? And that's the religious concept on it too. Oh, well, this church is going to do it for me, or this guru is going to do it for me. And mm -hmm. it's not, it's, you're going to do it and it's going to take work and um, it's going to be painful at times and it's going to be hard. But then on that other side is this opening up of all of your gifts in this way that needed to be expressed from our ancestral lines, not quieted anymore. So, um, and how that connection with creator and mother earth is facilitated for community mm -hmm. too. I think that's another piece is that it's about how can you, how can you bring in your medicine so that you can help and share with others? That's a big thing that my elders always said, like you cannot, you're going to work 24 seven and you will never get a day off because you are always have to be in service. Yeah, yeah. And what's the alternative of not doing that hard work is depression and anxiety and all of the heaviness that so many, so many are going through and feeling and living in, thinking that it's normal mm -hmm. um, because of this, I love that word that you said, the predatory force, the structure of control. That would be a nice word to mention. Instead of going in there with fear, just remember, no, it's it's a it's the predatory force that has told you this. It's not like the devil and some evil spirit. It's a controlling institution that doesn't want you to remember because it's not good for their business. Right. If you remember, then you are powerful. And if you're powerful, they can't control you. Yeah. And I, I think it's so, God, I love this. This is such a good conversation because it's so, I keep thinking, you know, especially with like the elections and the presidents and everyone's losing their shit. And I just, you know, I'm like, look, you guys, I grew up in Mexico. Ever since I can remember, it was the worst president that came in since I was seven years old. The next election, it was worse. The next election, it was worse. 
the next day, like it's never really stopped being worse. And what I know is community in me as an individual, I do my healing work. And then I, you know, then my kids and then my neighbors and then my community. And I'm not saying you don't have to vote and do your work, but it doesn't really, I see it as giving the power away to like, like you said, an outside source. The church will do it for me. The guru will do it for me. You know, the God out there will do it for me. No, the inner remembering never even mind freedom because like you said it's not i mean it's a liberation but now you're in service mm-hmm. so it's like an inner remembering okay this is what i'm here to do right, right. this is what um yep. yeah so i love um the word dismantling you said the lies of patriarchal religious system I call this like an oppression and a theft. So this dismantling, yes, it takes work. Shouldn't be afraid of it. Um, And what else comes after the dismantling? Like if I'm a person that says, okay, fine, I'm going to go through this dismantling because I can't take this anymore. What are some of these like these gifts that might come up, right? The awakening of the DNA, like the what's on the other side that would be, you know, that you could t- t- tell us about that people listening, women listening, or whoever's listening, they say, oh, wow, okay, that's what that means. That's what I want. That's what's available for me. Mm-hmm. When we start to recalibrate the DNA and take it out of an oppression, when we start to um, add the proteins into the DNA that say, no, you are not oppressed anymore. No, you do not have to be under the control anymore. We can, we are able to step out of it in observance and be like, okay, so let's see, how do we rebuild into the next? How we can be, we can be in anger. We can be in um, the, the cycle of dismantling for a long time. But we need to also be able to say, okay, what is the next step then? Like you said, for our children, for our families, for our loved ones, for our community. And how are we coming together in that community? I think then the other step is the confidence and the courage within that to be like, this is who I am. I am not, I am not weak. I am not controlled. So now I can step in with confidence to be able to say, yes, I, I will take this responsibility and I will help guide others. I help, I will help serve my community in the ways that I envision. Um, because no, we cannot continue to give our power away to these forces that continue to not care about it. You know, within everything that's happened within this the past year and then this the beginning of this year, we there's still this sliver of hope that people have that somebody will tell us that there's a morality, right? That somebody will tell us what what to do and really care for us. The the real care comes from that community with each other, within the grassroots, within building enough. And there's enough of us, more than enough of us to then bring in real change. So I think when we become confident and we start to really be able to step out of the, the matrix or the program, if you will, and and observe it for what it is, then we can't be in reaction. Then we don't need to be on one side or the other. We're just, we are in our truth and we're one with creator. So in that, you know, we have, we can bring in the abundance. We can bring in the healing. We can bring in, you know, the, the love that we need because we're, we're not affected by the, the bullshit anymore. I think that's a big thing. And we've recalibrated the DNA to that point of, no, I'm not the oppressed anymore. Yeah. Getting out of that victim mentality is super important. Yeah, and you're right. So many are expecting this hope thing. There's some outside savior. So I love that you said that we are, we are, we are the change, you know, we are going to have to just 
forget about these little um, fantasies of a savior coming in, you know, and do the work and get in there. And it's, you know, it's so, it's so beautiful and so magical to be able to be back in this magic, in this, um, and I go back and forth, right? Because I'm still, I mean, you're totally speaking to me. Like I'm still, um, you know, we have, we have, um, my, my, my mom had a ranch and the horses are there. We're building the swatch up. But also I'm like, yeah, but I have to do this to make money. And I'm teaching mindfulness and I work in the prison system. And so it's like this, to me, feels like this separation, like this, like a, it, like I feel torn apart going from one side to the other. And in my mind, I keep thinking, well, I just can't have it all. This is just how it is. You know, I have to work on one side and then I have, but I really don't. So I, I love that you say that because it gives me courage and hope to notice. Mm, I can integrate all of this. You know, this is, I don't have to be pretending anymore, but I've pretended for so long because it was, you know, it was always la rarita, like the crazy one, weird one, this, that. So, so thank you. Um, it's yeah. very encouraging yeah yeah and I think that that um, when we when we do the dismantling we find that there that separation that has been programmed in us starts to fade that you know people say to me oh you you live your work and it's like yes I I need to I, it wasn't always like that yes I had to I had to gain into the momentum of feeling that confidence and to be able to merge the worlds. Um, but then I think when we truly dismantle that within ourselves, dismantle the separation, then we start to, there's no question. Then we work every day in that ceremony. Um, the ceremony of, of our, our work with mother earth, with each other, with all the people, creatures, animals. So then, you know, even if we have to go, you know, into the grocery store and deal with, you know, somebody, you know, losing their, their shit over a, a parking spot or something like that, we can, we can be settled and be like, okay, here's, I'm not gonna react in this. You know, that's just a silly example because there's bigger, much bigger problems out there, but the the problems don't seem so much as problems or separation anymore. We just can handle it within ceremony. Yeah. You're more aware, right? Of, mm -hmm. More conscious of what's happening around you instead of just being like this. Oh gosh, unbridled horse per se. You know, just kind of going everywhere. Um, so, how do people connect with you? Find you? Learn from you? Well, there's, I offer four times a year, I offer the sacred way intensive. Um, I have over the last two years brought in um, a mystery school where I help people to connect to a lot of the ancient teachings, a lot of the, um, and their own indigenous teachings. So I don't teach one specific lineage and I don't teach my own lineage unless my elders um, grant it. But I do help people to find and connect with their lineages or also ancient teachings to help connect the dots. But a big piece before we even get into that is dismantling, like we said, the shadows. So the intensive is about reclaiming, reclaiming who, what your gifts are, who you are and seeing the shadows and the programming for what it really is. And so I offer that in February, May, August and November. Um, and then, you know, through either my Instagram or my website, boundlesswarrior.com, I offer different events, small events, um, workshops. Um, I also have the high priestess and priest path, which is a, a year long path of commitment of service. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I also do one-on-one -on -one personal work. I have a guideship, uh, uh, guideship program, which brings back the old ways in the sense of working with elders again, mm -hmm. working in this, um, not just, you know, we've gotten so used to, oh, get a certification here or do a weekend sound bowl retreat here. 
A guide chip <laughs> is about a guide chip is about doing a year long program at least to really establish a relationship and an understanding with your medicine and your elders. Um, and I match people within that that work. Um, so there's lots of avenues to go down because um, again, there is no one stop shop. There's no one program that works. And with the guideship, it is a customized program. So based on your gifts, your interests, your lineage. Um, so, yeah. And, and so I think the sacred way is definitely the, the intensive is definitely the first step in that is like, okay, what does it mean to, to reclaim? What does it mean to dismantle? And how, what do I need to see within that? So, yeah. And I'll put all the these links on the on the information when I send the podcast out. Is this available online now with, with this, or do people have to travel to your ranch for the Sacred Way intensive? So the for all of it. Yeah, the intensive is um, only in person because I truly believe we can only do ceremony in person. Um, and, um, a lot of these practices are brought in with, um, you know, in, in the shadow work where we need to be able to be surrounded by community and those that can, can help facilitate, um, the other programs are all available virtually. So the guide ships, the high priestess and high priest, the warrior of light, which is a shadow work course, they're all available virtually as well as in person. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. You want to, I don't know if you want to No, Yeah. This has been really fun. Um, I don't know. Do you have like a word of besides all the wisdom you already dropped on us, like something to leave with? (laughs) I think the biggest piece in this is if you want something to believe in, believe in you, you are an extension Mm -hmm. of creator and you are creator here on earth so believe in you believe in your medicine and believe in in the power that you hold to help bring in the change and to help community Mm. yes ashe thank you thank you so much miranda thank you so much i am so so honored again thank you thank you for doing this and bringing this forth to your community as well and and Mm -hmm. the community at large and doing the work you do. Yeah. It's an honor. Thank you everybody for joining us on Tales of Recovery. We will see you next time.